Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 8.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 10th of January, 2022. This is episode 522 of Bitcoin. And if you want to help out the show, uh, especially now that I am definitely not on Twitter uh, and I probably won't be back for uh, a while, kind of laying low here to let them forget all about me. um, I could use your help in getting the word out on Twitter. Um, If somehow or another you are able to share uh, the show from your podcaster directly to Twitter, that would be really helpful uh, because I am unable to get anything out on Twitter right now and and probably won't for the foreseeable future. Uh, That really helps. Also, a five-star review on uh, Apple iTunes also helps. Luckily, um, I'm seeing the numbers that I'm seeing on downloads are starting to come back up to levels already, uh, of pre break before I went on my Christmas break. Uh, so that's good news, but I could always use some, some help. And if you are so inclined to give me a hand, uh, I will always be forever appreciative of that. Now on to the news. <clears throat> We've got this open letter from Bitcoin Magazine to Elon Musk, and I must say, I'm not entirely certain why we give that much of a shit about Elon Musk at this point. He's he's shown himself to be a bad actor. Uh, you know, I don't remember, I'm not sure if I ever remember Bitcoin Magazine writing an open letter to Roger Ver, who is also a bad actor in the space. But let's see what Bitcoin Magazine has to say, because I do have an awful lot of respect for this publication. And they're pretty much just, you know, blowing shit out of the water left and right. And I'm I'm really proud of these guys. So I kind of want to go through this one. Uh, This is uh, from the Bitcoin Magazine policy team out of Bitcoin Magazine. Dear Tesla and Elon Musk. In February 2021, Tesla became an industry leader in Bitcoin by accepting payment alongside Microsoft, PayPal, Starbucks, Overstock, and Twitch. As Bitcoin users and supporters, we were obviously disappointed in May when Tesla announced that it would no longer accept Bitcoin and only accept fiat currencies. Much has been written on the issues of this currency, such as assisting organized crime, untraceability, and the environmental impact of its use. Nonetheless, While this currency is overwhelmingly used for crime, uh, virtually untraceable, and kills thousands of trees every year, we still think it would be excessive to ban fiat currency completely. However, we are confused why a double standard appears to exist for Bitcoin. Oh, it looks like it's going to be a troll letter. Good for you, Bitcoin Magazine. Good for you. When Tesla... Stopped accepting Bitcoin, Elon wrote, quote, Tesla's mission is accelerating the interest in of sustainable energy. 
we can't be the company that does that and also not do appropriate diligence on the energy usage of Bitcoin, end quote. As you know, many Tesla owners are Bitcoin owners, and while the Bitcoin community is vast, it includes many who are aligned and the concern cited. Bitcoin users also want to accelerate sustainable energy. Further, many, even most, do think appropriate diligence is prudent with regards to Bitcoin's energy usage. We are surprised that these arguments are used against Bitcoins <clears throat> as the available evidence demonstrates that Bitcoin actually accelerates sustainable energy adoption. In a real-time basis, renewable energy firms often produce power in excess of local demand, making it unprofitable to continuously generate clean power and discourage investment into these projects. Research confirms, however, that renewable projects can significantly increase profits by integrating Bitcoin mining into their operations. Because Bitcoin can be mined anywhere, anytime, firms can mine Bitcoin when grid demand is met and energy prices are low and sell energy when demand is positive. This allows renewable energy operations to make money when they may otherwise have been unprofitable, incentivizing increased investments in renewable tech and hasten the R&D needed to make renewables as cheap as possible. In this way, Bitcoin may be one of the most significant technologies to aid in the expansion of clean energy. Further, plenty of things like Tesla cars themselves consume massive amounts of energy. We decide whether that energy usage is worth it based on the benefits that it provides. Bitcoin only works if the benefits of the technology outweigh the cost. And understanding the true environmental impact of the technology alongside allows us to adequately make that cost-benefit analysis. Given the overlapping interest of the Bitcoin community in environmental issues, we are aligned parties in appropriate diligence on the energy usage of Bitcoin. Generating quality analysis of Bitcoin's environmental impact is difficult. As a result, existing mainstream writings on environmental questions are highly problematic, follow from misunderstandings about Bitcoin, and typically have inflammatory, inflammatory and misleading headlines. But the evidence seems to indicate that, while both Tesla vehicles and Bitcoin use energy, both technologies are good for the environment. In July 2021, Elon Musk stated as rationale for their decision to suspend payment, quote, I wanted a little bit more due diligence to confirm that the percentage of renewable energy usage is most likely at or above 50% <clears throat> and that there is a trend towards increasing that number. And if so, Tesla would resume accepting Bitcoin, end quote. It's a bit ironic that Tesla is so concerned about Bitcoin's energy sources. According to the best available research, Bitcoin's energy mix is already around 56% renewable compared to around 20% for the average American's power consumption. Since over 80% of Tesla charging is done at home, does that mean Tesla should be put on hold until the energy people use to charge them is more than 50% renewable? Well, we hope not. The percentage of renewable energy used by Bitcoin is also incentivized to increase rapidly. In March 2021, Bloomberg New Energy Finance found that renewables are the cheapest power option for 71% of global GDP and 85% of global power generation. It is now cheaper to build a new solar or wind farm to meet rising electricity demand or replace a retiring generator than it is to build a new fossil fuel-fired power plant. On a cost basis, wind and solar is the best economic choice in markets where firm generation resources exist and demand is growing. 
Considering that Bitcoin mining trends toward the most affordable energy available anywhere in the world and the cheapest energy is most often renewable energy, then logically the energy mix of Bitcoin is going to continue moving towards renewables. <clears throat> the fundamental question on the environmental impact of Bitcoin is a reasonable one that needs further analysis. We would posit that the operative questions and ones that have received essentially no research attention would include one, what is the environmental impact of the overall Bitcoin network to operate? Two, what is the incremental impact of Bitcoin transactions? Three, what is the environmental cost of custody of one's Bitcoin? And four, in what ways does Bitcoin positively impact the environment? For each analysis, a proper breakdown wouldn't just say Bitcoin uses as much energy as XYZ, but contextualized information like A, what is the delta in energy usage from Bitcoin versus both fiat currency equivalent and gold? B, what type of energy is used? C, when is the energy used? Existing, albeit limited, research on these topics indicate that Bitcoin's environmental impact is vastly overrated. Most research on the environmental impact of Bitcoin presumes there to be essentially no electricity or environmental cost of fiat currency and financial systems. Yet, among other examples, until fairly recently, checks were often loaded on planes across the country before they cleared. A large portion of Bitcoin transactions are cross-border, which in fiat dollars is not just extremely expensive, but also resource-intensive. Tesla should also sympathize with this situa situation as critiques on Tesla's energy mix are widespread. Our proposal <clears throat> to be most effective in getting to the bottom of this question and convincing Tesla and future uh, vendors and policymakers in Washington of the robustness of the results, we suggest that this research be conducted by those with strong environmental credentials to get to the bottom of the issue with findings that resonate far outside the existing Bitcoin user base. We know that Tesla has access to such institutions and can help our coalition to include environmental groups. It's time to get firm answers on the subject. We, the undersigned, are co-founders of a new initiative advocating public policy for Bitcoin. Let's develop a robust methodology to analyze this topic, build in public, develop a research coalition with strong environmental bona fides, and get to the bottom of this issue through a research project that authoritatively answers this question. Jesus Christ. All Bitcoin users should know the carbon dioxide impact of their use and be able to transact with vendors such as Tesla. They should know the carbon dioxide impact of using dollars as well. Sincerely, Derek Kana, Grant McCarty, and David Zell, the Bitcoin Magazine policy team. Oh, you know, the ass sucking that's going on here is kind of embarrassing. And I, I just don't like to see it out of, out of uh, an outfit like Bitcoin magazine. Um, yes, there's been some, some uh, stuff in the news about who owns Bitcoin magazine and what else that they've got their fingers into. I won't rehash that right now, but it, it does seem that there may be, you know, <clears throat> uh, there may be, it may be right to be concerned about who owns Bitcoin magazine at this point. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I still want to believe that they have the best uh, interest of Bitcoin at heart. However, stuff like this, this, this letter is a waste of time. I, at least I think it is because how many times do we have to get to the bottom of this thing? 
How many more times will we head to the bottom of this well? How, how, many, how often are we going to plumb this son of a bitch is what I'm getting at. So the point being, I think this is a waste of time. I think it's definitely fallen on deaf ears. I don't think Elon wants to hear about it. I think he is doing something else. I think he's holding his $1.5 you know, billion. He purchased $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin you know, last year. I think he's still holding on to it, except for that 10% that he sold to quote unquote test. But other than that, I think we should probably just count Elon out. And maybe he'll sell his Bitcoin. I don't know. If he does, Michael Saylor will prob probably be the one that actually buys it all. Who knows? But why are we wasting our time with Elon Musk is my, is my large question. Does he really matter? I don't think he does. I don't think Bitcoin gives a shit about one guy who lives in freaking California. Well, actually, I guess now he lives in Texas, but in either event, I, I just don't see why this is important. So let's move on. <clears throat> now, Bitcoin as a divine idea, also from Bitcoin Magazine. By the way, I've had to restructure the way that I do this show as to what comes up first, second, third. I used to try to mix it, but right now I'm not because I am... The way that I was putting the show together was using Twitter and specifically I was using TweetDeck because I was able to move stuff around and stack things and now I can't because I'm relegated to the sewers of social media and it doesn't work as well as it did. I'm trying to find a, a, a different way to do this, but for now I'm going to be stacking these in the order that, that they appeared as I went and got them. So we're going to do like I think three or four from Bitcoin Magazine first. Bitcoin as a divine idea. Bitcoin is divine, and with all things divine, us humans form religions that try to understand the divine and venerate it, especially because of the difficulty of comprehending it in full. <clears throat> there is extensive literature that describes Bitcoin as a living organism. These perspectives reveal that Bitcoin grows, reproduces, inherits, and passes on traits uses energy to maintain a stable inner structure, is cellular in nature, and responds to various environments it lives in. Far from being just a tool or technology, Bitcoin emerges as a living being that lives in symbiosis with us. We mine the Bitcoin network for more Bitcoin, and it feeds us Bitcoin, the carrot at the end of the stick. Human natural history teaches us that when we enter in symbiosis with other creatures, we soon end up, end up venerating them as divine. The functionalist school of anthropology would see veneration as not irrational, but an evolutionarily and socially meaningful action that helps to establish a positive relationship between us and what we depend on and may have trouble understanding. As Bitcoin restructures economies, politics, geopolitics, and the rest of our social order, it's quite likely that it will also change our beliefs, rituals, and even what we venerate. In millennia of religious practice and devotion. Humans have found the divine in many places. The ancient Egyptians venerated beetles for distributing fertilizer more evenly among the plains and removing a food supply for flies, and cats for their elegance and ability to kill unwanted guests that might carry pests. The Hindus have over 18 million gods. The ancient Romans and Greeks had thousands and of course, gold wasn't ever just a decorative ornament, but was seen as the substance of God itself. The history of our divinities is deeply tied to the type of societies 
and the world we were living in. In purely agricultural societies, it was the cycles of nature that largely determined our lives, and thus we venerated them. As larger civilizations came about, so came the need for emperors to structure the lives and beliefs of its citizens around the state. So the emergence of monotheistic religions or religions and beliefs like Mithraism, Judaism, and Christianity. Mithraism, in particular, was interesting as it saw the emperor as God incarnated in order to create a strict hierarchy across its military echelons. Establishing a divinity is how we humans establish a relationship with, recognize the importance of, and our dependence on other, be it the natural world, other creators, the state, or something else. In some way, the functional school of anthropology will say, tell me who you venerate and I can explain your society. And this lens is a powerful one. In our modern secular society, we tend to easily dismiss the divine and religious. We like to think we've overcome these irrational beliefs and rituals, but have we really? Jordan Peterson would probably say no. We have a religious instinct that is really, really hard to overcome and that beliefs and religions can arise in different forms and where we least expect it. Anthropologist Mary Douglas does a great job at unpacking one secular area of our lives where religious priests still reign, economics. Quote, we may appear to live in an overwhelmingly secular society, but nonetheless, we have a large and wealthy priesthood many of whose members occupy positions of power, power in politics, business, education, and especially banking. However, the nature of the church has changed. I myself was selected for this priesthood. The doctrines and rituals of which are taught, not at seminaries, madrasas, or rabbinical schools, but in particular at elite universities, and especially at Oxford. Douglas describes the beliefs that this class of priests are expected to absorb in the Church of Ex- Economics. Quote, <clears throat> theories and models like the indifference curve, which rest on assumptions that every individual has similar preferences and acts rationally. And the priests consistently get wheeled out to the news to pronounce their divinations in the form of statistics and prognostications of our collective destiny. The economic theology professed by the priesthood rests on the beliefs that economic growth is paramount for GDP to keep growing consumption must be optimized and therefore some inflation is natural. All the while things like the 2008 crisis happen. Douglas calls them false prophets, false prophets of a false god of money, a fiat money they control and through which they control our faiths. If Bitcoin becomes the monetary network our society becomes increasingly reliant upon, could it become a divinity that we venerate? Absolutely, according to the Functionalist School of Anthropology, it would spontaneously generate a type of divination of it, and this divination would represent a recognition of importance instilled in culture or reproduced through through tradition. So, let's look at some of the qualities that are conducive to Bitcoin being ascribed to a godlike being. 1. Bitcoin spirit is code, the transcendent. This propagates its unchanging and reliable truth. 2. Bitcoin's body is energy being consumed through proof of work, the imminent. Energy is matter, after all. 3. Bitcoin's creation and immaculate conception. Satoshi, Bitcoin's prophet, never spent his coins, possibly burned them and thereby sacrificed himself for us. So what does Bitcoin want? 
If Bitcoin is divine, what type of divinity is it? We can determine this based on what it wants and its characteristics. Bitcoin feeds with energy, but demands nothing from us. Rather, it only accepts whatever energy is given to it. Bitcoin is neutral. It treats all humans the same. Each life has equal weight. It gives us humans the choice to transact as we wish, whatever that transaction is for. Similarly to the Christian God, it lets us take and deal with the moral responsibility for our actions. Bitcoin is fair. The origin story of Bitcoin fully open source with public disclosure of when mining would begin with no pre-mine, six months of no market value and Bitcoin giving faucets. Those closest to the source of, or, or those with large amounts of Bitcoin do not have an unfair advent, advantage to generate more Bitcoin via the Cantillon effect. Future generations, centuries from now, are not forced to maintain the current fixed cap, but may wish to alter that based on their circumstances through consensus. This helps us appreciate Bitcoin as a global monetary government in and of itself. And Bitcoin is constant. Like nature, Bitcoin is growing and evolving, but its core genetic code remains intact and unchanging. <clears throat> Billionaires, governments, and institutions have tried to change Bitcoin and constantly failed. Humans look up to the unchanging as solid rock where they can build their lives upon. Bitcoin is kind to its followers and brutal to its naysayers. Quote, Bitcoin is the most brutally path-dependent, no-second-chances technology ever created, says Jason P. Lowry. Bitcoin is reminiscent of Dionysus, Greek god of grape harvest, winemaking, fertility, insanity, ritual madness, religious ecstasy. Like Dionysus, Bitcoin is kind to its followers, but brutal and merciless to its opponents. Since we've established that Bitcoin has divine qualities, it's also easy to envision the emergence of religions around it. Clearly, religions are a way of mediating and contextualizing the relationship to the divine. And as history shows us, religions can get quite adamant about being the true ones. Religions are the social institutions around the divine, while on one hand, they may help us get closer to the divine, they may also impede us and keep us blind on the way there. It's easy to envision how Bitcoin maximalism is becoming or is already a religion as outlined by Gigi. But this discussion may be for another post. However, you may feel about the social phenomenon of maximalism, it's important to remember the distinction between the religious and the divine. That Bitcoin is a divine entity in itself, one we are, we are and will forever be engaging in a deep and long-lasting symbiosis with. Okay, that's the end of the article. I, I don't know, man. I mean, we venerate a lot of stuff. We've been worshiping everything under the sun since we crawled out of the trees. Of course, that's only after we immediately started in child trafficking and uh, extreme, uh, like, uh, I don't know, um, being terrorist and doing money laundering. Because apparently that was our first goal when we fell out of the trees, right? Was to, you know, launder money because that's apparently all anybody ever gives a shit about. Uh, but past that, yeah, we've been worshiping everything. We've been worshiping fertility. We've been worshiping plants. We've been worshiping cats and dogs and trees and all kinds of shit. It's because it, we, we, humans need meaning. And like we need meaning like we need to be able to touch each other. 
because if you didn't know, the experiments were done. I mean, brutal experiments where a newborn baby was literally not never held, never spoken to, just fed, not touched, not loved, not kissed, not caressed, nothing. Guess what happens to the baby? Baby dies. We never lose that need for touch, just like we're never going to lose the need for meaning. If we have to actually think about the veneration of Bitcoin, I can think of worse things, but keep it in the back of your mind that this is a protocol. It's not a God. It may represent some of the divine because as we move through life and the things that we create, the divine that is within us can leak out into these creations. So I'm not saying that it's not at all divine, but I am saying be very, very careful about what you worship. What you worship says a hell, hell of a lot about you. Don't worship the wrong things or worship the right thing, but don't do it to the detriment of all else. Because even if you, if you worship God to the detriment of all else, then you're not doing any of the things that God wanted you to do. I mean, God wants to be worshiped, I suppose. That's what we're told in church. But to the detriment of all, I don't think so. Be careful with this kind of, th with this kind of thinking, okay? I'm, I'm just saying, don't, don't exclude it and don't dismiss it. But for God's sakes, don't, you know, start setting up a, you know, an altar and start praying to Bitcoin because honestly, that's, that's a little creepy. And here we get into a little bit more creepiness. Let's do this one from China. The CBDC wallet tops mobile app store charts in China. Eric Carmen has it for Cointelegraph. The official digital one wallet app that was released as a pilot version to be used in select cities has still managed to top app store charts in its first week. This is dangerous, y'all. Developed by the Digital Currency Research Institute of the People's Bank of China, the app became available for download on Chinese Android and Apple app stores last Tuesday. The app is still in an experimental phase and is only accessible to select individuals through authorized eCNY service providers. While anyone in China could download the app, its usage is limited to select cities. Despite these limitations, the South China Morning Post reported that ECNY managed to become the most downloaded app on Apple's App Store one day after its launch, surpassing Tencent's super app WeChat. It was dethroned by video sharing app Kuasu on Saturday. The app enjoyed similar success in Xiaomi's mobile app store, a popular platform for Chinese Android users. It topped the list within a day before following, falling to the second spot on Monday, according to market researcher Kiami. <clears throat> the app ranked 43rd on Huawei's, uh, or Huawei, I can't pronounce that one. H-U-A-W-E-I is the name of the company, however you pronounce it. Anyway, their mobile store jumping 10 spots in a day. <clears throat> After years of development, China started digital yuan pilots in April of 2020 and, and since has become a pioneer in central bank digital currency development to the point where the country plans to enable CBDC payments at the 2022 Winter Olympic Games in Beijing scheduled for next month. 
the digital one even became a topic of debate at, for several United States senators who have signed a letter urging Olympic officials to forbid American athletes from using the digital one during the, the event. All right, well, I don't think you should forbid them, but I don't think that they should be using them. Nobody should be using this shit. But the whole fact of the matter is, the whole point of this article that should be glaring at you in the face is that the people of China are willingly, willingly going to allow themselves to be subjugated as far as they can be subjugated. Why the Chinese people are just have literally no backbone whatsoever is beyond my, my comprehension. I, I just, I don't get it. But like, you know, for anybody who's, if anybody's listening to me in China, and I know they ain't, but if you are, get out of the cities. I'll just, I say the same thing for the people over here in the United States, man. Get as far away from the cities as you possibly can. Figure out how to live a simpler life. Don't engage with, with this bullshit. It's going to be bad for you. It just is going to be absolutely horrible for you. Again, with China, this time out of Bitcoin Magazine, Sadie Willemson is writing this one. Why China's ban was the best thing for Bitcoin in 2021. <clears throat> when China's Bitcoin crackdown came into effect, many speculated that the industry would never recover. Bullshit. Oh, I, we speculated that it would definitely recover, by the way. Just saying. Amazingly, though, the ban served to highlight both the resilience of the sector and the entrepreneurial spirit of the miners who keep the wheels of the blockchain turning. Despite the People Bank of China deeming crypto-related activities illegal in September, Bitcoin enjoyed a banner year in 2021, smashing its previous all-time price high as institutional players joined the party. Far from representing a death knell, the much-hyped ban barely had an impact in the larger scheme of things. Anyone who has paid attention will know that China has never been positive about Bitcoin. As CoinShares Chief Strategy Officer Melton Demirs cheekily noted in September, quote, this has to be the 20th time that China, China has banned Bitcoin. So why was this particular clampdown different? In essence, because all cards were now on the table and all of the powers of the state were brought to bear to enforce the ban. While in the past, Chinese financial institutions were forbidden from providing crypto-related services, now all cryptocurrency-related activities, including trading and mining, were outlawed. In <clears throat> what has been dubbed the Great Mining Migration, miners based in provinces such as Xinjiang, Inner Mongolia, Sichuan, and Yunnan quickly powered down their rigs and fled to pastures new, Kazakhstan, Russia, and North America. In the interim, hash rate fell by as much as 50% before rebounding impressively. To be sure, there are many reasons behind China's Bitcoin ban. Not only were lawmakers spooked by the asset's volatility, but they were, like various governments around the world, perturbed by their inability to influence it. Moreover, the energy-intensive nature of Bitcoin mining threatened to undermine Beijing's commitment to reach carbon neutrality by 2060. Yeah, they don't give a shit. They're lying. Uh, of course, it didn't take a genius to realize that the CCP was unsuitably shifting the spotlight to its own state-backed digital currency. Sorry, not unsuitably unsubtly shifting of the spotlight to its own state-backed digital currency. According to experts, the PBOC is likely to be the first to launch a fully-fledged CBDC. In light of subsequent events, China's withdrawal from the stage can only be seen in a positive light. After all, consider what has transpired since the ban was announced. Bitcoin hit a new all-time high of over $68,000. 
The first BTC futures exchange traded fund launched in the United States, allowing investors to buy and sell exposure to the asset outside of exchanges, and the United States became the world's dominant mining hub. The latter point is worth stressing. The dominant mining location is no longer an authoritarian country, but a democratic one. What's more, while Chinese politicians towed the line and badmouthed Bitcoin at every opportunity, several U.S. policymakers have embraced the asset class, setting out plans to accept tax payments in Bitcoin and even letting employees draw their salary in Bitcoin. It's likely, too, that U.S. investors are reassured by the dwindling influence of China on the mining landscape, especially since firms like Lancium are investing heavily in Texas Bitcoin mines that run on renewable energy. To say that there has been a green revolution in Bitcoin mining might be gilding the lily, but there has certainly been a renewed focus on sustainability this year. Back in May, Elon Musk and Michael Saylor announced the formation of the Bitcoin Mining Council, a venture focused on promoting the adoption of greener mining initiatives. Featuring many of North America's biggest Bitcoin miners, including Argo, Blockchain, BlockCap, Core Scientific, Galaxy Digital, Hive Blockchain, Marathon Digital Holdings, Riot Blockchain, and Hut 8 Mining, the council committed to standardizing energy reporting requirements and future-proofing the industry. Endeavors in places like Texas should also help with this mission. Around 16 gigawatts of new wind and solar projects are set for construction in West Texas over the next year alone. Against the backdrop, or against this backdrop, it should be no surprise that Bitcoin has confirmed to continue to flourish, particularly among institutional investors. According to CoinShare's most recent inflows report, Bitcoin saw over $114 million of institutional inflows at the end of November, despite prices falling by 12%. Good time to get in on buying that damn dip. The recent ETF, meanwhile, generated $1 billion in assets under management during its first two days, becoming the fastest fund to ever reach that milestone. After a tumultuous year, Bitcoiners are now looking ahead to 2022 and speculating on the next publicly traded firm to add BTC to their balance sheets. In years to come, China's Bitcoin ban might come to be seen as a positive watershed moment for the industry. End of the article by Sadie Willemson. Uh, no, not in time to come right now. We already see the Bitcoin by, uh, mining and trading ban by China as a watershed moment, and it is positive. It was a complete rebound. It basically proved that China has absolutely nothing to do with how Bitcoin functions or how it will function into the future. All right? There's, there's no speculation anymore. We've, we're already there. China doesn't matter. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities has flammable liquids mixed. Uh, West Texas Intermediate down a half point to $78.51. Brent North Sea is also down the same amount, half a point, $81.31. Natural gas, however, kicked to the upside four and a quarter points to $4.08 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline futures down a half point, a little bit more than half a point, $2.28 per gallon. All shiny metal rocks are down, some more than others. Gold is the one that's getting the least amount of kicking around the room. 0.15% to the downside, $1,794.70 per ounce. Silver likewise down 0.17%, $22.36 an ounce. 
Platinum, however, getting kicked around uh, three and a half points to the downside. Copper, one and a half points to the downside. And palladium, 0.84 points to the downside. Agricultural futures are slightly mixed, mostly to the downside. Sugar is the biggest loser point, or I'm actually sorry, 2.38% to the downside. Wheat and soybean down a little bit over a point each. Corn down 1.15%. Cotton is the most robust to the upside at almost half a point up. Rough rice following 0.37% to the upside. Uh, Dow futures down almost a full point. S&P futures down 1.36. NASDAQ futures down two points. S&P mini futures down 1.33%. So, man, yikes. It's a rough start to 2022. Uh, Whatever. Uh, Real money, $39,791. Good God, it was was over $40,000 just a few minutes ago. God damn it, y'all. <laughs> I have to do this shit all over again. 228,000, or actually, yeah, 228,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. That's just under 10,000 transactions on average per hour. 283,000 Bitcoin have been sent in the last 24 hours. That's just under 12,000 BTC per hour every hour. Average transaction value is one and a quarter BTC and median transaction value has fallen to 0.013 BTC or about 525 bucks. However, block times are pegged at exactly 10 minutes. Uh, 0.06 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 8.75 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a 2.44% increase in hash rate, we are up to 176.2 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator as usual is Doge, 14.3 United States pennies. And that's all I'm going to say about that. 14,169 transactions are waiting on 10 blocks to clear. Uh, market capitalization is at $772.6 billion. That is 6.5% of gold's entire market cap. And we can get 22.7 ounces of shiny metal rock with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,925,054, uh, 3,324.8 of those are locked in the Lightning Network valued at $135.7 million, being run over 18,810 nodes sporting 83,764 payment channels. Uh, 75.9% of all of that's being run over Tor. Uh, That means that there is 2,524.9 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 11,750 Tor nodes that we can see, and that's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the snooze you can use. Spanish lawmaker sees opportunity amid Kazakhstan's Bitcoin mining collapse. Joseph Hall brings it to us from Cointelegraph. Deputy for the Spanish Ciudadanos political party, Maria Munoz, has proposed a bill to make Spain a Bitcoin mining hotspot following the internet shutdown that caused a mining outage in Kazakhstan. The lawyer and economist Munoz was steadfast in her support of Spain as a big Bitcoin destination in a tweet on Friday, quote, the protests in Kazakhstan have repercussions all around the world, but also for Bitcoin. We propose 
that Spain positions itself as a safe destination for investments in cryptocurrencies to develop a flexible, efficient, and safe sector, end quote. A two-page open letter accompanied the tweet directed at the Spanish Congress of Deputies. First, Munoz highlighted the significance of the protest and the government's response, which used all the strength of the police and the army before the government switched off the internet to the largest Central Asian economy. She cited a Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance study that put Kazakhstan as the second largest Bitcoin miner worldwide, contributing an estimated 20% of the hash rate in the second half of 2021. The government's decision to effectively pull the rug out from underneath Kazakhstan's Bitcoin miners caused the hash rate to plummet a reported 13.4%. These events inspired pertinent questions for the pro-Bitcoin lawmaker. One. What information does the Spanish government have on the impact of the Kazakhstan internet blackout on the Spanish crypto mining industry? Two, will the government take measures to attract investors and miners fleeing the Kazakhstan mining industry? Three, what data does the government have regarding the energy efficiency of Bitcoin and the growth of the mining industry? A proven proponent for the Bitcoin network, her party, or or citizens, proposed a national strategy on cryptocurrencies in October last year. Her party seeks to position Spain as a pole for investments into cryptocurrencies from the European Union and the world, and Bitcoin mining could be the catalyst. As Bitcoin hash rate fluctuations have shown time and again, mining infrastructure is not geographically restricted. China's mining ban, for example, was to the benefit of Kazakhstan and Kosovo. Alan Kondevsky, chief legal officer at Prime Block, explained last year's mining changes to Cointelegraph, quote, Mining companies, including those that relocated after the China regulatory changes set up in countries like Kazakhstan and Kosovo because the cost of electricity is much cheaper than in North America. This was shown in Kazakhstan's growing hash rate in 2021. However, in a premonition to what could take place in Spain, Konevsky goes on to explain, quote, if mining becomes a complete non-starter in these countries, we could see miners relocate. The industry is mobile to a point, but as it matures, it requires stability, including stable political climates and stable inputs, including energy, end quote. Munoz hopes that Spain harbors these Bitcoin-friendly factors. However, one of BTC's biggest headwinds may be political. Her tweet inspired ridicule from rival Green Party member Ernest Uriston, a European Parliament member, of course, labeling her proposal as a bad joke in a tweet. He said BTC mining is an environmental aberration. Munoz and her Citizens Party clearly have their work cut out. Yeah, I'd say that they do. But, ah, Spain. I've never been to Spain, but... I, my wife has actually been to Spain and apparently it is a gorgeous country. I would like to go, but my favorite destination to think of if I did actually travel, because I don't really give that much of a shit about it, would be Greece. I don't know why there's just something about Greece that I want to go see, but be that as it may, we got better fish to fry. Speaking of Kosovo, Kosovo police sees 300 crypto mining machines amid electricity shortages. Cointelegraph's uh, Kiera Wright has it. The police in Kosovo have uh, ramped up their efforts to crack down on crypto miners in the country, confiscating more than 300 mining machines on January the 8th alone. An announcement issued by the Kosovo police on January the 8th revealed that it had seized 272 ant miner Bitcoin mining machines in the municipality of Lepsovsizavak. 
whatever. And another 39 mining machines near Prashinta or Prashintania. I can't pronounce any of these things this morning. Sorry about that. Meanwhile, the police also stopped a driver carrying six crypto mining machines with 42 graphics cards near Drar in Verushiti. The driver has since been interviewed and released. The Minister of Economy, Artone Rizavalanoli, retweeted her support for the Kosovo police, writing tens of thousands of euros per month of taxpayers' monies is saved and energy for hundreds of Kosovar families during the crisis. Oh, my God. In December, Kosovo declared a state of emergency for 60 days amid an energy crisis and electricity shortages. Since then, the Minister of Economy... Uh, introduced a blanket ban on crypto mining on January the 5th. Kosovo currently imports over 40% of its energy. That's not good, y'all. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, Bitcoin mining uses 101 terawatt hours per year or more energy than the entire country of, this time, the Philippines. Despite this, miners are increasingly turning towards renewable energy sources, especially in the United States, which has become the new hub for mining operations. According to Netherlands-based news platform The Papers, crypto mining has been on the rise in Kosovo for some time. Until very recently, electricity has been free for those living in the Serb-majority northern municipalities since the end of the Kosovo War in 1999. At the end of November 2021, electricity network system operator KOSTT announced that it will no longer supply free power to the four municipalities in the country's north. And I can't pronounce any of these names. The Balkan country was part of Serbia until 2008 when it declared independence and was upheld these subs and has upheld these subsidies since. In recent months, several other nations have also expressed concerns about mining related power outages, including Iran and Kazakhstan. So there you go. We're going to have another mining migration, except this time, instead of just from one country, it's probably going to be from more than one country. And this all has something to do with the fact that the European Union has put themselves and their neighbors, because I don't think Kosovo is part of the EU, but the EU has put their neighbors and themselves in an energy crunch that if this winter is as bad and as long as it's supposed to be, is going to be one of the ugliest things that you've ever seen. So get ready for volatility in Bitcoin price. Get ready for volatility in Bitcoin political posturing. The whole ball of wax, it's all coming down. Maybe not the price. I'm just saying that you just got to get ready for the shit. Now, moving on. LCX loses $6.8 million in a hot wallet compromise over the Ethereum blockchain. Of course it's Ethereum. Of course, Arjit Sarkar has it for Cointelegraph. Let's talk about some shit coinery. <clears throat> Liechtenstein-based crypto exchange LCX has confirmed the compromise of one of its hot wallets after temporarily suspending all deposits and withdrawals on the platform. The hack was first identified by PeckShield, a blockchain security company based on the suspicious transfer of ERC-20 tokens from LXC to an unknown Ethereum wallet. The probable hot wallet compromise was soon confirmed by the exchange as it announced the loss of numerous tokens, including Ether, USD coin, and other tokens, including its in-house LCX token. Based on PeckShield's investigation, LCX lost a cumulative of $6.8 million after the hacker successfully transferred eight, not one, not two, not three, but eight types of shit coins that included Sandbox, Quant, Chainlink, Engine Coin, and Maker. 
at the time of writing, LCX has not shared any plans to help return the stolen funds. However, the company has confirmed to take security measures to protect other wallets and assets. Quote, during this difficult period, we greatly appreciate the support from our customers, other exchanges, security experts, and the broader crypto community, end quote. <laughs> no word from the complete pussies. LCX has not yet responded to Cointelegraph's request for comment. A recent report from security platform ImmuneFi found that crypto companies incurred losses of over $10.2 billion, that's billion with a B, in 2021 due to hacks, scams, and other malicious activities. As Cointelegraph reported, ImmuneFi identified 120 instances of crypto exploits and rug pulls, the highest valued hack being Poly Network at $613 million, followed by Venus and BitMart with $200 million and $150 million rug pulled, respectively. So, as if this shit couldn't get any worse, at least though, at least, it seems like this, you know, is not a DeFi hack, it's just an exchange hack, but the problem remains. Not your keys not your coins, even if they are shit coins. So get your shit into your own custody under your own control, whether it's Bitcoin or even shit coins. I just, I mean, honestly, I just hate seeing people lose all their shit, but this is just ridiculous. It, the, the, you know, and what this is empowered by, you know what this is empowered by? This is empowered by fucking greed. This is empowered by people putting their shit on exchanges because they think they're going to time the market. And before they get a chance to time the market, what happens? They get hacked. That's right. They get hacked. That's why you don't trade. Or at least that's one of the reasons why you don't trade. One reason is you'll never time the market like the pros. Second, before you even try to figure out how to time the market like the pros, you're going to get fucking hacked. So get your shit off of the exchanges and get them off as soon as humanly possible. Now, let's get into this one. PayPal reportedly confirms a plan to explore the launch of a stablecoin. Yet one more shitcoin on the way. Arjit Sarkar has this one again from Cointelegraph. American fintech giant PayPal Holdings has reportedly confirmed its intent to launch its own stablecoin named PayPal Coin. <laughs> Jesus, they're not even they're not even trying anymore. The development of an in-house stablecoin was first discovered in the source code of PayPal's iPhone app by developer Steve Mosier. Confirming the evidence found on the PayPal app, Jose Fernandez de Ponte, PayPal Senior Vice President of Crypto and Digital Currencies, told Bloomberg News, quote, We are indeed exploring a stablecoin. If and when we seek to move forward, we will, of course, work closely with relevant regulators, end quote. Mosier's findings uncovered that PayPal is in the works of building PayPal coin, which will be backed by the United States dollar. However, a PayPal spokesperson clarified that the source codes for the iPhone application were developed in a recent hackathon. While PayPal's digital assets is in the making, the name, logo, and features of the in-house token are subject to change prior to launch. Supporting the ongoing development, PayPal has previously launched new features that allow users to buy, hold, and pay with digital coins. DePonte has also pointed out in an interview from November 2021 that PayPal has, quote, not yet seen a stablecoin out there that is purpose-built for payments, end quote. 
According to him, a stablecoin should support payments at scale while ensuring the security of the network, adding, quote, there would have to be clarity on the regulation, the regulatory frameworks, and the type of licensure that are needed in this space, end quote. In addition to launching its own stablecoin, PayPal has also taken proactive measures to spread crypto-related services and jurisdictions out of the United States. In September 2021, the company announced a rollout of new Bitcoin trading services for the United Kingdom market. As Cointelegraph reported, customers can trade major cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Shitcoin 1, Shitcoin 2, and Shitcoin number 3. Yay! So... PayPal confirms the rumor. I <clears throat> had reported on this, I think it was like the month, I want to say it was sometime in November about uh, Mr. Mosier finding this code in the uh, PayPal uh, iPhone app source code and no more was spoken of it until now. So they've waited almost a full quarter to actually confirm that they, yes, are indeed pursuing shit coinery. Of course, you knew they would. You knew it was going to happen. It's the only way that they can actually make any kind of returns that makes their investors feel good. And it's probably not going to work because they're competing with Tether and USDC, which, in my opinion, pretty much has this shit sewn up. There's no, I, there's not that much room for more stable coins. They're just honestly... There's just no need. And I don't even use stable coins. And here I am defending USDC and, and Tether. My God, what have I become? Hopefully it won't last. Let's go, let's go on. Binance CEO's $96 billion fortune is worth double Satoshi's Bitcoin stash, as per report. Scott Cipollina has it for decrypt.co. Shengpeng Zhao, CEO of crypto exchange Binance, has become one of the richest men in the world with a fortune of $96 billion per Bloomberg's Billionaires Index. Could you imagine making $96 billion inside of 10 years? Because that's what he did. $96 billion, 10 years. Jesus. See, that's the problem. Shit coinery pays. Don't get into it because you will lose your ass but people like CZ, who apparently just have absolutely no moral and ethical base, have absolutely no problem just bilking the living shit out of any idiot that wants to give him money, has now made $96 billion. The near $100 billion wealth amassed by CZ doesn't even factor in his own personal crypto holdings. They include Bitcoin and Binance's native cryptocurrency, Binance Coin, which is currently valued at 440 bucks per pop. One year ago, BNB was worth less than 50. CZ's fortune dwarfs those of many of the crypto industry's biggest names, including FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, who holds $22.5 billion, according to Forbes, and Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong, who holds around $9.6 billion. Again, all this shit inside of 10 years, except for FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried, who is late on the scene and has still amassed $22.5 billion. Per the Bloomberg Billionaires Index, CZ's wealth even eclipses that of Satoshi Nakamoto himself. Uh, the mysterious and to-date anonymous creator of Bitcoin. Reports last year indicate that Satoshi's crypto holdings amount to as many as 1.1 million Bitcoin worth $45.8 billion at today's prices. 
outside the world of crypto. CZ's peers include Tesla and SpaceX founder Elon Musk, who boasts an estimated net worth of $263 billion, thanks to the American taxpayer, by the way. And Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, whose net worth is estimated at $188.4 billion because we cannot buy enough fucking plastic and get it shipped through the mail from the bald-headed weevil. Anyway, Binance itself is also doing well. According to Bloomberg's analysis, the crypto exchange generated $20 billion in revenue in 2021, a figure which reportedly dwarfs 2021 revenue expectations for Coinbase. Quote, Coinbase might appear to be the 800-pound gorilla from a U.S. perspective, but Binance is significantly larger, D.A. Davidson and co. analyst Chris Brindler told Bloomberg. Despite these lofty figures, Binance cautioned Bloomberg's estimations, claiming crypto is still in its growth stage and that crypto is susceptible to higher levels of volatility. Any number you hear one day will be different from a number you hear the next day, the exchange told Bloomberg. Well, at least they're right about about that. Despite its successes, Binance has faced repeated pushback from regulators around the world. In Holland and Japan, regulators published consumer warnings about Binance. In Italy and the Caymans, regulators publicly warned that Binance was not licensed to do business in their respective countries. Malaysian regulators hit the exchange with enforcement action for operating illegally in the country. This resulted in all Binance entities active in Malaysia, having to immediately cease media and marketing activities, as well as immediately restricting Malaysian investors from accessing the exchange's official telegram group. In the UK, the Financial Conduct Authority issued a consumer warning against Binance Markets Limited, the exchange's UK entity. Months later, the FCA doubled down and said Binance was incapable of being regulated after the UK entity failed to provide basic information to the regulator. Even in Singapore, where CZ has been living, living recently, the exchange failed to gain a license. Amid these regulatory conflicts, CZ has been hard at work trying to find a home for Binance. In September of last year, CZ finally admitted, after having long insisted that the exchange was decentralized, that Binance needed a headquarters to satisfy the world's regulators. Toward the end of last year, it was rumored that Ireland could become the exchange's headquarters. Of late, though, Binance has turned its focus to Dubai. Days before Christmas, the exchange announced the signing of a memorandum of understanding with the Dubai World Trade Center Authority. Quote, with the MOU, Binance will help advance Dubai's commitment to establishing a new international virtual asset ecosystem that will generate long-term economic growth through digital innovation, the exchange said at the time. Importantly, MOUs are not legally binding. For now, the exchange's search for a home continues. So, after pissing off every regulator in the world, not gaining any kind of license whatsoever in today's regulatory environment, and basically just doing whatever the fuck he wants, CZ amassed $98 billion, is not in jail, and enjoys the high life. So, not that I am like for the regulator's side, but how is it that some people, how is it that some people just get away with fucking murder? Is it just the money? Because as far as I know, CZ isn't part of the inside club. He's not invited to Davos. He's not really invited to all the rest of the bigwig stuff. It's not like you see him parading himself through the fucking United Nations building. Right? He's not chilling out having lunch with that big fat guy, Augustin Karstens from the BIS. He's not friends with any of these people. 
Is it just the money that keeps him out of jail? This is my question. We know how Christine Lagarde keeps herself out of jail. It's not her money. She doesn't have as much money as CZ does, but she is friends with all of those people that I just mentioned. She's good friends with them. And that's how she stays out of jail. But how does CZ stay out of jail? Shit, they even brought they even brought our, you know, brought in Arthur Hayes into Hawaii to stand before a judge. And Arthur Hayes has a shit ton of money. How come Arthur Hayes got dragged into the Hague? How does CZ get out of all this shit? Ask yourself that, because that's a question that I think really needs to actually be answered. Developers of The One California Mega Mansion wants to tokenize the property. Just so you know, The One, in quotes, is the actual name given to this particular mega mansion. Matthew DeSalvo brings it to us from Decrypt.co. If you can't afford to buy yourself a mega mansion, how about buying coins that represent a portion of the mansion? Ah, shit coinery finds a new way. Niall Niami, who spent 10 years developing the 105,000 square foot urban mega mansion, The One, in Tony Bel Air, Los Angeles, announced in the December 27th video that he aims to save the home from auction by tokenizing it. The developers racked up debts from the costly project, labeled the largest and most expensive urban home in the United States, and wants to save it from auction by creating a cryptocurrency. The one coin, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the one coin that represents shares in the property. The one sits on a 3.5 acre estate and boasts a 50 car garage, a 10,000 bottle wine cellar, 4,000 foot or square foot guest house and stunning views of Los Angeles. I'm sorry, guys. If you live in Los Angeles and love your town, plug your ears. I've been to Los Angeles. It's a fucking shithole. I would no more have a view of Los Angeles out of my window than I would of the sewage plant treating the crap that I flush down the toilet. It's covered with smog. It's covered with haze. And honestly, if I see another palm tree and have people go, oh, look at all the beautiful palm trees, they don't even provide shade. I'm sorry, but a tree is supposed to provide shade. Let's continue. The lavish project suffered after its owner defaulted on over $165 million in loans and debt, placing it into receivership. The home was previously expected to go on the market for $500 million, making it one of the most expensive properties in the world. Quote, once the tokens are created and traded, it would transfer the value of the house to the coin making this the first ever asset-backed coin by a one-of-a-kind piece of real estate, and never again will this ever be able to be done. Naomi <laughs> said in the video, his idea or her idea or whatever is to tokenize the house, sell the tokens, then rent the house out for glitzy events and give the profits back to the token holders. It's worth mentioning that the SEC, based on past guidance, may think tokens tied to home rental revenues look like a security. Oh, I don't know. Is it a, is it, am I asking you for money so that you will receive more money by the actions of me, a third party? If those are correct, then that's a failure, a failure, a complete failure of the Howie test. And yes, what you have is a security. Niami's idea to tokenize the house. So oh, no, sorry about, sorry about that. Uh, billions of dollars overnight 
Naomi claims, would be generated to pay off the debts and save the house from auction. Quote, unlike the Mona Lisa, you have hundreds of things you could do with the one, from weddings to building businesses to unveiling new products to world-changing pay-per-view events to creating your own pay-per-view platform to NFTs and to never-before-done tokenizing a one-off real estate asset in a digital currency, he added. The tokenization of a big asset is nothing new. Everything from art and sneakers to cannabis stocks are being put up on the blockchain to give people a slice of the ownership. Naomi is hoping for a crypto billionaire to swoop in and help. And in his video said that meeting Elon Musk four years ago helped him give or helped give him the crypto idea. Interestingly, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong recently spent $133 million of his, on his own mansion right near the one. This is the stupidest idea ever, except for maybe bored apes. Are you really? So a guy builds a mega mansion, which is supposed to be sold to some kind of billionaire to be a domicile. And now all of a sudden you're going to have events and weddings and uh, product releases and pay-per-view events. Guess what? You know what, what Bel Air is? It's a neighborhood. It's zoned residential. You would have to get that section, that 3.5 acre parcel of land rezoned for commercial. That's not going to happen. Why? Because all the neighbors in Bel Air don't want their shit rezoned to commercial. And yes, it would just be that one parcel of land, but ah, you set precedent. And now somebody else can parcelize and recommit their parcel of land to commercial real estate rather than residential real estate. What happens to the neighborhood's value as that happens? The neighborhood value goes down and none of the billionaires that live in Bel Air want to see that. This is never going to happen. If somebody comes up to you with the idea that you're going to buy the one coin, you run away and you hide as fast as you fucking can. Why? Because this shit is never going to happen. That mansion is going to remain in receivership until the price comes down so low that Bel Air residents will be tickled pink if they can just get rid of it and offload it to somebody for the tax bill owed. And people are going to lose their ass. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are well over our time for the day, so I'm just going to end it here with just a few words. Uh, again, I could always use your help. Your help is always welcome every single time, whether you're just retweeting. Oh, actually, I guess I can't say that anymore because I'm not going to be putting out any more show announcements on Twitter for the time being. Um, but if you can, you know, if you can share the show, if you can, you know, like if whatever podcatcher you're listening to it on, um, if it's got a share function and you can share it to Twitter, I would appreciate it as much as I'm kind of cross crossways with, with Twitter right now. I still understand that it has a great amount of value for getting the word out and the message out. And if you guys so choose to put out these shows via a link uh, on the share function of your podcatcher, that would be most appreciated. 
Um, I'm trying to get the listenership to get up this year. Uh, I more than doubled listenership from 20, let's see, uh, 2020 to 2021. Looking at the metrics, I more than doubled listenership. And the year before that, I actually more than doubled it again. And the year before that, it was basically me, I don't know, 10Xing the listener base because I started sometime in October of 20, was it 2018, 2019? Yeah, 2019. And uh, I, I only had a few months of that year. So it's been doing really, really well. I'd like it to do even better than that, so I'm asking for your help. Also, if you want to help in another way, you can listen to this on any one of Podcasting 2.0 apps like Breeze, uh, Fountain. These types of things uh, are very, very helpful. Um, please do so and stream me sats, and they will go directly to my lightning node, which is sitting about a foot and a half, two feet away from me. With all that said, have a good week, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.